Good evening. Today is Tuesday, April 13th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the doctor's opinion. Okay. So hi everyone, I'm Kira. I'm a recovered compulsive reader and bulimic. I'm really excited to be sharing with everyone tonight. Um, and especially at a meeting such as this, I'm, I'm really grateful this exists. And I know that um, for me to be it, it was a barrier for me, a barrier that um, I'm glad I've been able to work through, but to identify in um, coming from where I did with regards to faith and language in this book, it, I, I'm really grateful to, to, to be speaking with you all tonight and that really this um, has formed. Um, and this, this whole program and the big book specifically was something I wanted nothing uh, part of. And uh, I actually read the doctor's opinion early into uh, my time in OA, which I first came in in November of 2018. And I read it and I read it alone. And it made little sense to me and identified very little to it. And um, it wasn't until I was taken through it with my sponsor, like line by line, word by word, that I really had this experience of like, wow, I. I can identify and it is possible. It doesn't matter my age, my gender, my anything. I, I do belong here and I am an addict. <laughs> and, and I hope tonight to just share with you some, some parts that I practiced um, and was shown to identify in with. And, and yeah, so just, just digging in here. Um, I, I mean, of course, the first word we it, it immediately puts me at this place of um belonging like connection like i am a part of they are a part of we of alcoholics anonymous and it's it's setting us up to to follow a plan a a series of instructions something that i never had in my life and i i wanted one but i always just felt uh like I just heard my, my sponsee say yesterday, she's like, I felt like I didn't get the memo. And that's truly how I felt. Like I didn't feel it place anywhere I went and I felt so isolated and alone. And so I pursued things that kept me isolated and alone and come to find out um, all of these, you know, thoughts of food I had and thoughts of my body and just shameful, dark thinking um, people can relate to. Like I'm, I'm one of, I'm not the only one. Um, I also, uh, and I'll be, of course, I can't do this justice in 20 minutes, but you know, just picking some of my, um, some parts here. Uh, convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. So it's, if I wanna try to, you know, tell someone or tell myself even that I don't belong here, my life isn't unmanageable, um, look deeper into that. I had to, you know, I was 22 when I came in, I'm 25 now. I, you know, a lot of things hadn't gone wrong for me, uh, seemingly. <laughs> and, and when I looked a little deeper, I, I wasn't showing up in relationships. I wasn't fiscally responsible. I certainly wasn't handling um, food well. And when I started just peeling back the layers, um, I could be a I could be a person who um, just like the 
the two sides of the comma, I mean, it also says that, uh, I'll get to that in a moment, but I like to know that I can be as sick as I was and hear the hope of others who returned uh, to health as, as described. Um, I can't, I can't just be told when something, when I was rereading this today, something that came up to me a lot was like, I can't just be told uh, that I'm not well. I mean, certainly doctors uh, had tried to tell me and I had family who maybe they weren't concerned for anything other, I don't know, whether it was health or other reasons. I, I couldn't be told to stop eating. I couldn't tell myself to stop eating. I, I had to really examine um, and come to this place that I, I, I can't stop. <laughs> like I can't, it's true. Like I can't stop. I'm powerless over, over stopping. I'm powerless over stopping without spiritual aid. Um, on the bottom um, of the first page of the doctor's opinion, XXV, it says other methods had failed completely. This is an opportunity for me to look like what other methods had failed completely for me. And it was a little past my time to have my jaw wired shut, as I heard some people say, but I certainly tried, you know, like the age of the internet gave me a lot of, a lot of um, really unhealthy uh, diets and maybe even some healthy ones, but they never seemed to work. And even going to therapy for someone who um, is eating disorder, like experienced, it didn't help me. It, it wasn't enough. I needed, you know, I needed that spiritual intervention. I needed program. Um, Turning to the next page, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. This is how Dr. Silkworth ends uh, the first letter he wrote. This line to, I mean, it just blows me away because when I think of myself, I you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't rely on me. You, you couldn't trust me. I couldn't trust myself. And to hear him say this about people who, I mean, society deems as, you know, not good people and who I, I deem myself as a not good person. Here's this, you know, prolific doctor saying, trust us or trust them rather. And that really moved me. It gave me this, this, this hope and connection to know that maybe one day I could be a person people could, could trust. And I could say I would show up and actually show up. At the time I was reading this, I wasn't doing that. So it was just like kind of this way of, you know, here's something I can believe in. Um, skipping down to the next paragraph, there's a line that says, it did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we are maladjusted to life, that we are in full flight from reality or were outright mental defectives. Um, here I go again, like I had to be, I had to be, shown it like I had to sit there in meetings and hear like oh the the 90 pounds that I lost through like restricting and bulimia I thought that was a lot and then I hear stories that could be the same 90 pounds up and down I I could even I mean I could even get to a point that I could realize that wasn't even normal I mean my disease had me normalizing everything about everything I was doing and um it it, it I was, I was suffering. I suffered the alcoholic torture and the addiction torture that the food um, 
and this disease kept me in. And I was going through that, that cycle of things I couldn't account for. Like, why do I want to stop so badly and I can't stop? Why do I want to stop so badly and I can't stay stopped once I've picked up? I couldn't explain it. I didn't want to be fat. I didn't want to be constantly hating myself. Why, why was I so different? Why couldn't I just go on a diet and stay on one? Why couldn't I love myself? You know, <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was a devastating way to live. And, and, but I had to, I had to go through those things because if I, if I didn't know that pain, there would be no reason to pursue this recovery. And from that pain, I know it's nothing I want to go back to. And I know that, you know, maybe it takes a little extra effort on my part to, to identify into some of this language or a couple extra minutes opening up a dictionary sometimes, but that means that I can like find, you know, a home every single day. I can find a home in a way and, and connect to these words. Um, let's see, what will I talk about next? Um, another helpful thing that my sponsor told me is on XXVII um, in the Dr. Silkworks Worth second letter, um, he says, uh, um, director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcohol and drug addiction. And also it's mentioned on the previous page about drug addiction and how sugar is a drug. And true, like another place I can identify in for, um, in with, like knowing um, there is food that I cannot pick up because I have this allergy because it's not safe for me. Um, sugar happens to be one of them. Did I fight that? Yeah. <laughs> did I say I didn't have a sweet tooth? Yeah. <laughs> did it matter? No, because uh, it was triggering me. Um, there's so much to talk about. Um, I think uh, on XXVII, so I flipped ahead another page, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. Again, going on with this theme of like, um, I, uh, the message needs to carry depth and weight and, and having, ha if, if I'm not practicing connecting to these words and, and replacing like him with them or, you know, uh, God with higher power, like if I'm not doing that, um, I, I could identify out and I could miss this opportunity to recreate my life in the way that my higher power is like allowing me to do. And, and it, it really is this, this do over this chance to take the hurt that I know. And then also the recovery that I know and share it with others and not keep it to myself and not um not let it like be for nothing almost like i feel now that i went through that for a reason um the the thing that got to me i think the most um was on x x i x 
when it talks about the addiction cycle. Like if I was identifying out up into this point, I could not deny that this phenomenon of craving that I continuously succumb to um, and swearing to never do it again. And this firm resolution, it didn't like, it was January 1st, but it was also any, like any weekend or any Monday or summer break. And because this had been going on for so long in my life, I remember talking to like a friend and, oh, like middle school will be different. Like we're gonna reinvent ourselves like starting in middle school and then it was high school and then it was college. Certainly this disease won't follow me to college. Like that's gonna be my chance. What I do in college, I binged, I indulged in substances and I like hid from everyone. Um, it, <laughs> the disease is progressive and also um, it will follow me anywhere. There is no geographical cure. It's just a spiritual one. And I say just as in, <laughs> it's a spiritual one. And, and thank, thank goodness for that. Um, but I, I mean, just the insanity of like binge. And then when purging came into the picture, it was the binging, the purging. And then I, I couldn't eat anything because anything would lead to a binge again, because I just kept triggering um, my allergy. And then the mental obsession. So I, I mean, I read this and I, there's nothing that's going to break that cycle uh, except for an entire psychic change. And that makes sense to me like that. I can't, be, I'm not the Kira that I was and I can't be. And I've tried to practice a lot of like self-compassion and understand like this line between taking responsibility, which of course we have to do, you know, like in things skipping ahead some steps, but like in things like amends, I have to take responsibility for what I did, but I can still have compassion for what I did in my disease. I was, I was sick. I was suffering and I didn't, I mean, I could say I didn't know any better. I mean, I didn't know there was a solution. I could say that. And that's an honest statement. Um, and, and so I have to undergo this entire psychic change and one that continues to evolve and one that I still, um, things continuously come up for me of, of areas to work in and where can I go deeper, but I, I'm no longer so blocked and I just try to keep pursuing like what is still blocking me off from, from my higher power. Um, and I don't have to like have this all figured out, like, especially reading the doctor's opinion, like up until this point, I'm just, I'm like seeing bits and pieces, like where, where does this sound like me? Where did I behave in similar ways? Um, much more is to come within this journey and, and I pray it continues to keep evolving and, and unraveling. Um, and another place I can cue in like compassion with is that was the way my brain was wired for my entire life. Like I knew nothing other than sick and diseased thoughts and actions. So if I have like a thought that's that's a negative one, instead of, you know, getting really down on myself and thinking, oh, that means I'm not recovered. It's more just this practice and like, okay, brain, that was kind of harsh. Like where, maybe where is this coming from? Um, but, but today, you know, there's gratitude in that because not every single thought of mine is harsh the way it was when I was, you know, going off in, into these sprees that were, sometimes lasting like a five minute resolution <laughs> proceeding um, and followed by just just pure lack of uh, 
control, which again, I realize I have none. Um, on um, XXX, another place that we can identify in because it describes more classifications of alcoholics. And I remember reading this and kind of laughing because I, I felt connected to each one of them. It, it, it was no longer like, I don't think I belong here at all. It was, oh, I see a little of myself in that. Oh, that's definitely me. Yep, that's fully me. And uh, I used to think, I don't know, I don't know, I no longer think this is a joke, but when it talks about, um, it talks about, then there are the entirely, no, that's not the line. Uh, the manic depressive type who is perhaps the least understood by his friends and by about whom a whole chapter could be written. I was like, come on, I was like, tell me more. Like that's, that could also be me. So um, I, I can, I'm, I'm here. Like this was written for me. Like I, not, not in a self-centered way, but just, I, I can really relate to these words. I just wanted to feel normal. I just thought that would come when I was thin and could eat like other people. And I couldn't, I couldn't up until program, up until surrendering, do that in any sort of normal or healthy way. Um, and on XX, IX, it kind of describes, to me, I just write, wrote in my margins. <laughs> and if you're wondering why my thoughts are where, my notes and my thoughts are always everywhere. So that's why, um, but I felt trapped in this like purgatory, this, this, I didn't want to live, but I didn't want to die. And it says, was living, one might say to drink. He frankly admitted and believed for him, there was no hope. And that's just, that's, I don't feel that way anymore, but I did for a while, but good. Like that's, that's why I know I belong here. That's how I know um, this program is for me because I, I too felt that there was no hope. And I accepted the plan outlined in this book, not right away, not right away, but I did. And once I became open-minded enough, just enough to like hear anyone's, you know, opinions or thoughts beyond my own, um, that's when I could start to, you know, do the work and, and let power run through me. And, and, and just like a, a, a note that I like to share on step one is how, um, I know like that whether I, or not, I take step one and admit that I'm powerless and that my life is unmanageable. Like if I'm not ready to admit that or accept that or, or see that, that's like, that's okay. Like go me, I guess, but it doesn't change the fact that I am powerless and that my life is unmanageable. So taking step one, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I don't instantly become bad or instantly become powerless, but taking step one like sets me on that path to, <laughs> to freedom um, and to, um, to accepting just like beliefs and wisdom that like is so beyond what I ever knew. And my sponsor like shares with me this with me a lot and I think about it all the time. Like, do I want to be right or do I want to be free? Like, do I want to be stubborn or do I want to be free? Do I want to have it Kira's way or do I want it to be free? Like insert anything here. And that's, that's what, that's what the doctor's opinion is showing me. Like, here's how I can be free. And it's, it's by, you know, identifying in and, 
um, and staying, staying with us all. So I don't know, that's where I'll end. Thank you, everyone. <clears throat> okay. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Will the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. So. Um, Stacy, I see your hand is up. Hi, Kira. I heard you speak before. Thank you so much for your share, number one. Uh, number two, I was away last week and I totally relapsed. Um, I've just been in a way, I guess, since like January and I was doing okay, but I, I relapsed, went on binges, took, I guess, laxatives again and stuff and whatever so i i started from like square one totally again but you know hearing your story and other people's stories and still reaching out to fellows like i didn't leave program this time and i was still in meetings making outreach calls and everything and you know hearing from the big book and everything it just i never i'm not losing i just not losing hope but I'm just feeling lost. But like hearing your story, what you're saying, just don't ever give up. And just thank you so much for that. Cause I really needed to hear that today. And I greatly appreciate that. And I greatly appreciate your, your share and you're an inspiration to me right now. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. And with so that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. You know, thank you. Susan G, your hand is raised. It is. Thank you, Kira, so much. And thank you for this meeting. Happy to see everybody. Oh, Dr. Silkworth, thank goodness for him, right? Because then when Bill met him and then Abby came a knocking at the door on, we went to step two because suddenly he found a solution how to blend these two ideas. And, you know, Dr. Silkworth really showed me that there's nothing wrong with me. But I'm biologically compulsed once I take that first bite. It's not about the right day of the week and I'm not stupid. I just needed help from a power and also to remove all of those foods that just trigger me. And what I heard was Kira, that you came to regard yourself as hopeless and what I see that is and what happened for myself is I had to be out of ideas. I had to truly believe to my innermost self I was done. And for me that took 16 years from my first meeting until when I put you know, the fork down. And what I love where he says on XXVII is later he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell his story to other patients. So we don't come here to grandstand with each other, right? It tells us all the way through that we are a fellowship. We are a fellowship. And I'm going to sound like Harlan here, but I know a little bit about Dr. Silkworth because I, I read his book. And I just love that here he was being paid $30 a week. He was an out of work psychiatrist and the first person in his family to ever go to college. And his family were mortified that he went to work with a bunch of drunks. But yay for us. Thank goodness for me. Thank goodness for all of these fellowships that he did that. 
but I like the way he used the word privilege because it is a privilege to share our stories, to walk together on that path and just to be lanterns on each other's paths. There are no leaders here. Nobody has the right way or the wrong way. We all have different experiences and some of them work for others. And, you know, and I love the way you quoted what your sponsor says to you, because when we become sponsors, we all seem to have those annoying quotes that our sponsors have said to us. And we thought, I'll never say that. It's like when you become your parent, right? And being a doctor, you know, he can't use the word God. And he says on XXVII, Emily, just scream at me when I have to stop talking. We are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. I love the way he's so careful. He's so careful because, you know, the first printing, he didn't even sign the letter. He was worried he'd never ever work in the medical field again. And his theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. And then, of course, further down on XXVII when he says they believe in themselves and still more in the power and he starts to capitalize the P which pulls chronic time, alcoholics back from the gates of death. Thank you, Emily, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Susan. Um, I see uh, Emily's, Emily's hand is raised next. Yes, thank you, Kira. Um, hi, I'm Emily, uh, recovered in Chicago. Really grateful to be here at uh, this meeting. And man, grateful to hear the doctor's opinion. I got a, an outreach call from someone today and she was like, yeah, my sponsees are in the maintenance phase and I'm feeling itchy. And I was like, yeah, it's just good to be in the doctor's opinion. It's good to come home and it's good to, um, yeah, like hear myself in your story Kira, your share, um, you know, I too was just, I remember saying to someone that one of the things that I really wanted in my life was like a group text, like just going on in the background kind of, and I could like opt in and opt out. And, you know, you talk about like that being available now. I have like three group me's, a couple WhatsApps some group, like, it's just like, it's so available. And a sponsor of mine was just texting me earlier to say, you know, like, no matter where we're at, well, there's a program, uh, there's a way to be a part of something. And it's just, it is a privilege. Um, and I too, you know, I wasn't fiscally responsible. I wasn't showing up either. There was a wedding that I was invited to, and I just didn't go. I said I would go. I just didn't go. And I think, you know, the disease really kept me in thinking like, well, that's okay. No one will miss me, which is, you know, a very self-centered way of living through life. But it is really what I believed because I was sick. I was sick physically for sure, but emotionally and, and spiritually. And that's a really, really slow way to die. Um, but I really felt like I was dying and I wanted this emotional appeal. I had sponsors who gave me the emotional appeal, the like, but you're a good person. And like, you know, just a little bit, we're all there sometimes when we're sick, of course we need comfort. Like, don't be too hard on yourself. And meanwhile, I was like slowly receding into the threads of the sofa, like just couldn't connect and couldn't keep a relationship and couldn't like, couldn't just, just wasn't a part of the living. And, and I have no explanation for this like entire psychic change other than to say, I mean, yeah, when I was in the doctor's opinion, I was abstinent. I had no idea. I was eight years in the rooms. I had no idea what was coming, like what's coming next in the steps. And I think still today, there's so much hope that I get from, you know, that 
I have no idea what's coming. Like that, that is a hopeful thing. <laughs> it's sort of amazing for someone who's totally wired anxious and like hyper vigilant, you know, and that I can go to bed at night and sleep through the night and wake up and be like, I got to do this work and get out of bed and pray and meditate. Um, I don't know. It's, it is an entire psychic change and I'm so grateful because I couldn't have done it without this book or these rooms. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. Amy, your hand is raised. Thank you, Kira. And thank you so much for doing service tonight. And thank you to everybody who's done service here tonight by reading and just by showing up and by sharing your perspective and your experience, strength and hope um, on this wonderful program of recovery. Kira, I actually wanted to ask you a question um, and I'm gonna preface it by reading a paragraph from the doctor's opinion on XXVIII. We believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. This is the part I'm gonna ask you about. The, these alcoholic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. You have spoken about how the disease is progressive and how as a young person in recovery, sometimes somebody might say, well, it's not that bad, might read this chapter. Basically, I'm asking you about this paragraph talking about, you know, and regardless of age, regardless of where you are in the progression of the disease, can you speak to how as a young person you were able to identify in with can never safely use that piece of it? Sure, yes. Um, for, for me, um, I, I had to you know, first identify in as the allergic type and to know that, like, a, it certainly my thoughts were not in the just for today. They were in like the, oh, but what about my wedding? And what about like this life event? All of the things that, you know, food, <laughs> because of our society is so tied up in how can I never do this again? How can I never have this again? And I had to, I had to really like, work on this and, and see like one the one thing that helped me was I've had those things like I've had my fun air quotes for anyone listening I've had my fun <laughs> with those um substances I know what they taste like for the most part and I knew what they did to me which was like a second of you know a, a good feeling and hours of not a good feeling at all and like the dread and the remorse so I had to use, yeah, limited in terms of my age was, you know, 22 or I guess 23 when I got abstinent, but the, I, I know where it would lead me. And I tried within program, I tried like workarounds to certain foods. I tried uh, workarounds, certain food behaviors and it, none of it worked. So Part of it's like trust and listening to our, you know, our elders and experiences of other people in the rooms. Part of it was looking back at my own. <laughs> in fairness, at 22, everyone was my elder, but, <laughs> um, but part of it was also like looking, you know, 
identifying with what I had done and how it wasn't safe for me um, in any form meant all those little clever things I tried to come up with also did not work. So I hope that answered your question. No, that was great. Thank you, Kira. Thank you. Um, next, we have Karen C. Hi, Kira. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for this meeting, Amy. And I, you know, I'm I'm the the addict who, you know, definitely the desperation, the hopelessness, and then I start feeling better, and I start. I don't pay attention to the disease. I take my will back. And um, I've been around, I think since August. And I, um, this time, like Stacy said, I haven't completely left. I've been kind of like, you know, keeping one foot in, which I know that's like a total mind F because it's only a matter of time. Um, I have two days abstinent. Um, and I had a taste of the freedom and um, and I had some manageability back in my life. And, you know, my disease wants to say, well, you're not that bad. You know, you haven't binged, you have, you know, and it's bull crap. Like, I, I love what you said about, I know there isn't a doubt in my mind that I have no power and that I am the real deal compulsive overeater. But I realized that where you helped me so much is that I spend way more time identifying out than identifying in, even though I identify in. And, you know, yesterday I just said, you know, God all day, I just kept saying, you know, pray, I've been praying, um, you know, please do for me that which I cannot do for myself. And part of it was, oh, this is too much. I have this crazy busy life. Like I'm the only person. And, uh, God, please do for me that which I cannot do for myself. I don't have time to do anything. And my little guy, I have an eight-year-old that's, um, his, his class got quarantined. So I'm home for two weeks, homeschooling. <laughs> I can't go to work. And, um, you know, and I just feels okay, God, I, I, you know, I hear you and just let me listen and pay attention to my higher power and, I'm just really grateful that, you know, today I've surrendered today. I feel like I have two feet in right here just for today. And I'm really, really grateful because, I mean, I've just met so many amazing, amazing people who I know this works, you know, and it's available. So just for this moment, I surrender and I'm willing. <laughs> Thank you. You did a beautiful job. Thanks. Thank you so much, Karen. Next, we have Michelle M. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle, compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, thank you, everybody, for your service. Kira, what a wonderful uh, share, and thank you for walking us through the doctor's opinion. And I'm just very happy to be at this meeting tonight, first time hearing about it, and, and it's wonderful. Um, Kira, there were a couple of things that you said that just really made me feel better. Um, one is that every night we can have a home in OA. I, I really needed to hear that. Recently, I've just been feeling a bit lonely. I'm staying with my dad and I'm kind of in the woods. <laughs> Literally, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I have all of this wonderful connection. And it's, it's honestly because of this program that I'm keeping my sanity. And 
I'm on day 73 of my abstinence and it's a miracle. It is honestly a miracle. And I also loved when you shared um, that before program you were walking around or or you felt like, you know, you don't want to live anymore and you don't want to die. And that for me was like, bullseye. I honestly, I remember walking through Logan Square where I lived at the time in in the city of Chicago. And I just remember I had gotten off the train from work and I'm walking in the street, no joke, crying, just crying because I just didn't want to exist, but I didn't have the guts to end it, to be honest. Um, And I got to say like, the relief and the gratitude that I have today for actually experiencing like full abstinence, knowing that I'm going to bed and I am abstinent is the best feeling in the world. Um, there is no greater gift. And, and I felt before, cause I've been in program for a couple of years. I thought, you know, this must be the promises. Is it the promise that I'm feeling? You know, I still kind of feel like garbage a little bit, but maybe, and you know what? Like I had a terrible day today. Like I had a God awful day and I didn't pick up any of my food or any of my food substances, no matter what my food was not affected. I reached out. I'm at this meeting showing up because that's what I need to do. And I I just loved, you know, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of every, of ever solving them suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. And that is, is, you know, one day at a time, I don't want to get cocky here, but that's how I'm feeling tonight. Um, so very grateful uh, for your share. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, Jackie B, your hand is raised. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jackie B from the Bronx. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I want to, first of all, uh, you know, uh, I owe the group an amends because, you know, I, I guess I, I fell asleep during the meeting or I dozed off. Usually that doesn't happen. But you know what? That's because I felt at peace, honestly, because my mind is always running. My mind is always thinking about the next thing I got to do. And I guess I found such serenity. You know, even the topic of this whole meeting is full of serenity. Um, that I felt comfortable and, you know, even when, and usually I don't pick up phones, you know, when my phone rings and it's an unknown call, I don't pick it up, but somebody in the room decided to call me to tell me, guess what? You fell asleep during the meeting. And I was like, what? See, I see, I'm a compulsive Vita old timer. I got to tell the truth. Okay. And, and you know what, guess what? I got a new contact. So see, Everything is for the the best because God gave me a new contact on my phone now. I could admit that I'm embarrassed and not embarrassed. And I'm definitely, you know, a compulsive OV. I've been in this program over 28 years, current absence, four and a half years, giving away over 150 pounds. And guess what? I'm still a compulsive OV who's human, who can admit that I'm not perfect. But 
I do know that when I need a meeting and I knew that today that I wasn't able to connect, the system in my job was down and I had to rely on just existing seven hours of finding what God's way of telling me what to do. And I did. I got phone calls today. I got phone calls. Sorry, that was shouting. Um, I got phone calls from people today that maybe I wouldn't have answered the phone. And yet I answered the phone. Right? Why? Because even in the, it says another compulsive overeater helping another compulsive overeater is what's going to keep me clean. It's not just about the food. <laughs> food is definitely, I won't touch my ingredients. But I'll yeah, tell you, yeah. after I finished my job, after I finished it for today, I wanted to eat everything on God's green earth. Did I? No. I went to Home Depot and helped my husband pick up stuff, came home, you know, did this, that, and the other thing. And then I took phone calls. I talked to other people. And guess what? I stayed absent. And I took a nap. Hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm Jackie, the compulsive old leader from the Bronx. <laughs> I'm human. And Kira, thank you so much. Because it reminds me that you, you, you know what? You can teach an old dog new tricks. Take care. Thank you, Jackie. Um, I would now like to ask Amy to stop the recording. <laughs>